This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. About a standard orbit, Mr. Checker, and take a seat. I said. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going really well. Today we decided that we were going to do another C episode, but C this time is for Commentary. As as many of you, I'm sure, know, Mike is known for commentary track stars, which is were, are, is, seven seasons worth of commentaries on movies. And he's also known for commentary track stars, where he does no commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm cheating on Max, but that's okay. You've done a commentary with Max before that I was not. This is true. This and is it was our true. most listened to commentary, by far. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Well, today's commentary is going to be on The Trouble with Tribbles, which is your favorite episode, right? I would say so, yes. Uh, watching it again this morning, I could see that, uh, I could see why, because it's incredible. <laughs> it is. I watched it again last night, and I was blown away yet again. It, it has everything, but let's not get into it too far before we start up the commentary. So, if everybody's got your blu-rays or netflixes paused immediately at zero 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 you can watch the original version or the remastered version because dave rossi and his team did not recut any episodes just stuck in new effects which is really cool yep so the timing will be just fine but we may actually comment on some of the revisited effects ah uh, see I, so, I, I i i'm you're watching the revisited I'm watching. I, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm watching the original, so we'll be able to comment on both. Excellent. All right. So you may want to like mute one of us and then not mute <clears throat> the other one to hear. It, it's kind of like an angle switching. There you uh, go. Branching, branching we're just, commentary. We're just covering all the bases. <laughs> all right. If you've got your your players set at zero 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 zero, we will get started. In five, four, three, two. One. All right. You Space. Totally, the final frontier. <clears throat> you totally threw me off there. You gave I a did. countdown from five, and then you didn't say start at the end. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on anymore. Did you get it? I, I, I think we're close enough. Yeah. So here we have them talking about the, uh, well, basically setting up the conflict, which, you know, is something which I think really gets overlooked in this episode. You know, everyone, you know, talks about how funny it is and how the triples are so cute and all this stuff and, you know, how the conflict with the Klingons is amusing and whatnot. But really, it's 
political satire, you know? I mean, if you just look at what the conflict is, it's it's really interesting. It's like there okay, there's like a border dispute or something along those lines. There's an undeveloped planet in the middle of the the, the Federation and the Klingons, and whoever is able to develop it gets the planet. I mean, that's like a a big deal, you know? So now the Federation are going in with their grain to, you know, develop it so that they get the planet. So the Klingons come in and poison all the grain, which I'm wondering, like the way that they describe what the poison does, you know, were they planning on letting the crops grow and then kill everyone on there? Or was it that the crops just weren't going to grow? I'm I'm guessing it was going to wipe out everybody. They I'm assuming that they assumed that the Organians would lean toward the human side and let them develop it. But I mean that's some pretty, you know, serious stuff there which is going on, you know? I mean it's not like it's a light fluffy episode. Well, yeah, I but, guess in some ways. But it is. It is. It like is. this yeah. this this intro here, you know, yeah, sure, it's you know, there's a planet that we need to we need to colonize and stuff. But Chekhov is just making jokes about how the Russians invented uh, everything. And it's just kind of it's kind of silly. Like it, it lets you know what's going on and that it is serious, but it also lets you know right off the bat that this episode itself isn't necessarily taking itself seriously. It's it's going to be a humorous episode for sure but it's also dealing with you know it's it's not just it's not just fun and games you know it's you know like i was saying before i guess political satire you know it reminds me of like a a billy wilder movie you know like did you ever see one two three i did not no one's seen one two three which is i don't understand because it's quite clearly billy wilder's best movie but it's about uh a guy James Cagney, who runs the Coca-Cola bottling plant in Berlin uh, just after the wall went up. And it's hilarious. One of the funniest movies you'll ever see. And yet there, it's obviously all about, you know, the Cold War and, and all this other stuff. It's, it's, it's very similar in tone to this, I, I would say. And, you know, it's got a lot of stuff going on in there, even though it's just, you know, a, a, basically a screwball comedy. So... I, I kind of see this as the same thing, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, who... I don't think there's anyone who doesn't like this episode, but there's a lot of people who I think say, like, yeah, yeah, it's not the best that Star Trek can be because it is just kind of a fun episode. But I, I don't think that's true. I think that there is a lot of Star Trekky stuff going on in this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're at the station. They, they're all ready for war. I, I do like how the episode immediately jumps into, we got trouble, and, you know, trying to get you on the edge of your seat. And then it turns out that he's just like, I need people to guard my grain. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the cold open is very similar to any other episode of Star Trek, you know? Especially Next Generation. I mean, we had a, we had a, a conference room, and then they were sitting and talking about things. That's true. They're on a diplomatic mission. Like, they weren't sent to, you know, fight off the Klingons or anything. But Right. But then there's an emergency and, you know, the Klingons are, you know, I mean, when they go to the to the title, you know, there's there's the Klingons. 
Now, okay, here's an interesting thing, which is something which I, it always bothered me. Well, I guess it, it does still kind of do that. Um, I think I, I think I read, do you ever read uh, Phil Farron's books? No. The, the Nitpicker's Guide to, for... Oh, I've got, I've got it. I didn't look at it before I watched this episode, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I haven't read it since like high school, but I used to love those things. And I think it was in there that he talked about how... You know, they have the really cool effect, which you don't really see in most uh, episodes, where out the window you can see the Enterprise sitting mm-hmm. there in orbit. But it's not moving. It's just sitting right. there. But if you look at that, well, on the at least the original effect shot, it looks... I can't see it. It's moving for me. I don't know what you're talking about. It is? Seriously? Yeah. It it, it moves in the window? Yeah, it's it's moving right across over, over the guy's shoulder right now. Interesting. That's something that Rossi fixed. Wow. Way to go, Rossi. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, because it, it, it's the fact that it didn't move, you know, that always bothered Maybe me. Maybe they're ever in geosynchronous the... orbit around, well, that, the, that, around the... That's what it kind of looks like in the in the establishing shot, but then the, the stars aren't moving, so... Right. Interesting. <laughs> so they fixed the, the, the ship now. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not in the window at all. I mean, when it when it circles when it's on the other side, it'll not be in the window for a couple minutes, and then it'll start circling around again. That's cool. <clears throat> I like how this guy has a transporter room in his office. That doesn't seem safe. Are they naturally dangerous? No, I mean just like it, maybe they beam down in using it like some kind of emergency thing. I'm hoping that that's not the only one, like all the people on shore leave are beaming down <laughs> directly into this guy's office. Sorry, hold on, we're going over here. That's true. That would be kind of awkward. It's kind of like, you know, if you needed to like go through a bedroom in order to get to a bathroom or something like that. Yeah, like my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the the guy, obviously, is played by William Shallert. Mm-hmm. who um, has been in, like, a million TV shows. I remember they used to have a thing on Nick at Night where they're like, you recognize this guy? And then they, like, show clips from him in, like, every show that they have on Nick at Night, and they're like, that's William Shar- Shallot. Shall- <laughs> William Shallert, you know? He's like, he's been in 273 shows. Never a star, but always there. And he really that is. That would be the job there. to have. Yeah. I mean, always different. Kind of like uh, when you were talking to to John Black about how it used to be you could be writing for Star Trek one week and then, you know, the Western the next week and how variety varied it could be. Yeah. And and maybe that was what it was like to be the character actor back in the 60s. You just stay in one place and build a set around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do this type of show and then they tear that set down and build another one. And he worked forever. I mean, he's on an episode of DS9. <laughs> it's uh, He plays a Bajoran uh, musician. I like how uh, Chekhov is here shopping with Uhura. Like, he's that friend. Uh-huh. Like, he's he's in the friend zone. He's just that guy <laughs> that, that people... Like, why don't you go shopping with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like that he knows about Quadratric... The, the grain... <laughs> Does everybody know about this but me? (laughs) So, I don't know whether or not this is true or false, but 
I'm, I may, perhaps you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> is it true that this role was originally written as Harry Mudd? I'd never heard that. Um, that would be troublesome. Okay. Uh, because Kirk would immediately question him, threaten him, and throw him off the station, probably out of an airlock. <laughs> Perhaps we will find the answer to this in a couple of weeks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I, that's something that I had heard. I, I don't know whether or not it's true. But they I don't know if they didn't want to pay him or what, but, yeah. I did read that this bartender was apparently in a series of commercials in the 60s where he played a bartender. Really? Yeah. Mm. And the Admiral, or Commodore, whoever he is, I'm assuming he was on Allstate commercials because I've seen too many times (laughs) the, uh, the, the, uh, the blooper reel where they're like, oh, and Captain, and then they like throw him a Tribble and he's like, you're in good hands with Tribbles. And then everyone laughs as if that's, I mean, I don't know. I guess you had to be watching TV in the 60s to get that joke. Yeah. I like that the, like the Star Wars holiday special, most of the versions have the commercials still attached, so you get that idea of commercials in the 70s. Yeah. It'd be really neat to see, like, a somebody who had recorded these with the original commercials. Yeah, that'd be great. So here they are talking about money. So in TOS, does the Federation still use money? Because Ahura is just like, how much does it cost? I'll totally buy it. I, I mean, that is such a complicated <laughs> thing in the Star Trek universe. Because they ignore it whenever they can. But whenever they need to, they just pull out their wallets, you know? Yeah. Pull out their gold-pressed latinum. I'm imagining it's something like in Deep Space Nine, where they've got it. They've got Republic credits, you know, for trading. Yeah. I know they're not Republic credits. It's a Star Wars reference. but <laughs> Gold-pressed latinum. Yeah. They've got their gold-pressed latinum that could be converted into whatever they need in order to buy things on shore leave. Because I'm sure not everybody's like, oh, you're a Starfleet officer. I understand you don't use money. So uh, here, everything's free. Which, of course, here's Cyrano doing exactly that. Yeah. Who apparently doesn't know anything about Tribbles, in that he's giving them away, which is immediately going to flood the market with Tribbles, with free Tribbles. Right. Even though, I mean, he has to know how they work, because he says that he breeds them. That's how he maintains his stock. Exactly. So you can see the, well, I can see at least the the, the ship rotate, or, or the, the station rotating a little bit mm-hmm. there, but... So here's that admiral you were talking about? Mm-hmm. I like him. Yeah. He's like, look, Sherman's planet's very important. You should you should listen to that guy that you don't want to listen to. <laughs> Seriously, Sherman's planet? That like Sigma Iota and Beta Three and you know SETI Alpha Five and it's like Sherman's planet. <laughs> At least when Dave Rossi had a planet named after him in, in one of the series, you know, it was like Rossi 7 or something. Not like Dave's planet. Perhaps whoever discovered the planet was a really big fan of Boogie Nights. And there's that whole <laughs> sequence, that turning point in the movie 
where all the bad stuff happens to them on Sherman Way. And maybe maybe that's it. And he went to the planet and he's like, This is undeveloped and then the Klingons are like, We want it and the humans are like, We want it and maybe they're not talking about this, but maybe there was like a huge bloodbath on on the planet and then eventually it ended in a stalemate and they both went their separate ways, which is why they decided to make this planet a uh uh a you know, a a a thing of dispute which which they needed to settle peacefully by developing it, right? And maybe yeah. maybe the guy who 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 discovered it, he like went home that night, and he put on boogie nights to calm his nerves <laughs> because it was one of the best movies he's ever seen, if not the best. And he's watching it, and then he gets to the point where they're on Sherman Way, and he's like, "Oh man, like like where Mark Wahlberg's getting like beat up or, and, and stuff like that." And he's like, "Man, this is just like being back on that planet." I'm going to call it Sherman's <laughs> Planet. So here we meet Koloth, who yes. I didn't realize until watching it uh, this morning, is William Campbell. It's Trelane. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which is incredible. So then I looked it up, because that's my job. <laughs> and originally they signed him on as a recurring villain. Like, mm-hmm. he was going to be in, like, 13 episodes, oh, finishing wow. out the second and third seasons. And he was going to be, like, the Kirk of the Klingon Empire. Yeah. And they were going to be equals and butting heads, um, but the kind of playful enemies that they are here. But something about when Gene Kuhn left, mm-hmm. and then when uh, the show got canceled... Uh, in between the second and third seasons, they like his contract disintegrated or something. Interesting. And the producers decided to go another way. So I mean, thirteen episodes though—that's half a season. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. He was going to be—I mean, we, we were going to. There was going to be the Klingon versus Federation all the time. That would have been interesting. And it's also interesting that they picked Koloth as the Klingon to be. You know, I mean, you've got Kor and Kang. You know. Mm-hmm. Which, they're both on just one episode, right? Exactly. Okay. Aside from Deep Space Nine. So... Right. Yeah, there's there's this uh, this show that they did, Drew. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. It was like a, a, uh, a spin-off show called Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I've heard of it. Okay, yeah. And they had one episode where they had all three Klingons from the original series on it. I heard that they had a couple more episodes where two of them, without Koloth, appeared. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, what's his name? I think it was Core showed up on an episode of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in a flashback. Yes, called flashback. In, in flashback. Yeah, yeah. But in all seriousness, I did watch some uh, Blood Oath this morning to get some more Koloth in. Cool. Because I was just like, I need to watch this now that I know that it's Trelane again. <laughs> and he apparently was really excited to be asked to come back to. To Star Trek because he was looking forward to being, you know, this badass Klingon for 13, 14 episodes. And well, he be, was in two. <laughs> it's cool that they, you know, had the sort of foresight to see, like, okay, you know, even though he's in the comedy episode, we don't need to make him, you know, goofy Klingon. He can still be our, our heavy, you know? Unfortunately, they didn't have the foresight to not kill him off before Trials and Tribulations. Because, uh, I read that they were going... When they started writing that, they were like, oh man, if Koloth was still alive, he could be the one traveling back in time. Yeah. 
trying to kill Kirk. But I, I like the I like how Trials and Tribulations turned out, which yeah. it's hard because I've seen Trials and Tribulations more recently than this, so I'm watching it like all the chatter that they're doing like right now is background noise when they're having the plot for trials and tribulations. So I'm just like, I could see Dax over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I really love trials and tribulations a whole bunch. Um, There's Dax and Cisco in that, in that hallway there. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I know there have been some people who, or a lot of people who've been like, Oh man, they need to make like a, a super cut of these two or, you know, one. Did you see that I found one? Oh, did you? I found one on YouTube. I linked to it the other day. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, someone made a supercut of Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations, and, and Trouble with Tribbles. I didn't watch the whole thing, but... And the only thing I don't like about it is they changed the aspect ratio, so it was all 16 by 9. That doesn't make any sense at all. No, it's not like they were matching... 16 by 9 of anything else they just I, I thought that was weird but yeah. apparently he wanted to be more cin- cinematic that's crazy you know I don't but, know I mean it, like like people have also talked about like oh you know now that, that Deep Space Nine exists they should you know like in the special edition you know Dave Rossi should have um, you know put the, the Deep Space Nine guys in this for the <laughs> Which I guess would have been okay for that, you know. I don't think. Well, I, I I don't I don't know. I did watch a uh, uh, another video, which I also put in the show notes. Of it was a comparison of the fight, the bar scene, which is coming up, the Deep Space Nine cut versus the original cut, and there are actually parts of the bar scene that happen out of sequence in the Deep Space Nine scene that would make cutting difficult. Well, perhaps and then they did one of the last the shots of the, yeah, oh, ooh, so maybe the Deep Space Nine version is the the more recent version, so it's the more right one. Uh, look, it's not. Well, Kirk. Be, be, be careful, be careful with that uh, rationale because if the mo- the most recent version is the right one, then uh, <laughs> what does that say about uh, no. TOS compared to the JJ version? Oh no, don't no, you went there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring it up. You did. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like how he's forcing Scotty to take shore leave because Scotty's just sitting around reading technical manuals. Yeah. Which is great because he does that in Star Trek Six too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's reading the, the big drawing of the Enterprise. That's his thing. That's how he relaxes. I can see that. And why this random... Why is it a random gold shirt? I like that the the Trials and Tribulations people picked up on that and had uh, O'Brien think that that's Kirk. (laughs) Why is he wearing lieutenant stripes? (laughs) That was funny. Because you would would overreact in, in that situation. You'd be so giddy to have, you know, to be in that time frame that you'd see everybody you wanted to in whatever you saw. Yeah, I mean, how many times has that happened at conventions, you know? Where someone's like, look over there. I think that... Is that Shatner? Like, no, it's not Shatner. <laughs> no. no. Man, trolls don't like them Klingons. No, Only sometimes, though. 
<clears throat> so the other thing about this scene in uh, Trials and Tribulations is that they used Deep Space Nine music for it, you know? And I mm-hmm. remember, like, reading that, you know, they, they had discussions, like, do we do something, you know, do we use the music from the original show, do we try to make it like the original show, and it was decided, like, no, this is an episode of Deep Space Nine, it should have Deep Space Nine music. I never noticed. That, to me, doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, you're already <laughs> shooting something, you know, on or TOS sets and everything like that, it's like, go all out. The music, that's a, that does not make any sense. Anyway. And here we've got a discussion of the the finer points of drinking. Scotty calls vodka soda pop. <laughs> yep. And of course, Chekhov claims that scotch was invented by a little old lady in Leningrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drunk Klingons. There's never enough of that. Except in Deep Space Nine, there's plenty of that. <laughs> Klingons from this episode in particular. Yeah. This scene is incredible. I love just the Klingon trying to poke poke Scotty and, and check off and just insults the Enterprise once and Scotty just stands up and punches him in the face. It's a very Scotty thing to do. Yes. <laughs> what there's a lot of Scotty in this episode. There is, yeah. It's great how he, he you know, I mean his his uh, performance in this scene is is really, really good because he totally keeps his cool. He's got, you know, this kind of look, this, you know, sort of like fatherly look on his face, like, don't even do it, kid, you no, know, come on. It. But he's got like this kind of smile, like, kid, you've, haven't Just you ever been in it. a situation like <laughs> this before? You don't start these things. This is ridiculous. Maybe he was looking out for, like, theoretically, Chekhov is a main character, but he's an ensign. Oh, yeah. I mean, ship ship wise, he's just you know a random low ranking guy. Sure. And if Chekhov had started the fight, it might have been more than just confined to quarters, like Scott gets later. Well, totally. He yeah. I mean, that's even what they talk about in the next scene. You know, he's like, you you were the ranking officer, whatever. What happened? Blah blah blah. You know. I mean, I, I, did, did Kirk even send him down to? I mean, even well, even if he didn't send him down to look out for these guys, surely. As you know, third in command on the ship, he knows his job. Yeah, but he's just pushed too far. <laughs> <laughs> and they call Klingon Klingoni. Which yes. is it possible that there's two Klingon languages? I mean, I, Earth- I think that's the that's the stretching it too far explanation. <laughs> it that, that Klingoni is is a dialect spoken at the border. I mean, but, why, but, why can't there be, you know? Yeah, everybody else. I didn't read the article, but I saw one. Somebody, it was on Trek FM. I need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> About how, you know, Earth is still, you know, there's you can love French and you can love Scotland and Russia and everything. But everybody in Klingon speaks Klingon and they love war. And there's no differentiation between them all. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to say that. Yeah, there is. There are two Klingon languages, Klingon and Klingoni, and um, maybe Klingoni is like Spanglish, like a mixture of English and and Klingon. 
Like it's Klingon y. <laughs> it's not really Klingon, it's just Klingon y. <laughs> Perhaps. Do they ever talk about uh, someone speaking Vulcanian? I know they they say Vulcanian a number of times, but is it in reference to a language? No, I don't think they ever reference it as a language. Oh, okay. It's too bad. Well, that was a bad slap really far away from this face. Some of the stunts in here are good, though. Like, there's one where, like, a guy, like, does a somersault over a table and lands on a booth, and I'm like, wow, that looks like it could have gone horribly wrong but i guess this is 60s who cared yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay this is why they brought in the random gold shirt (laughs) he's the stunt man that's why he doesn't talk or anything still why not give him a red shirt yeah oh i mean i guess the security officer should be guarding the grain (laughs) yeah yeah I never noticed that. There's a there's a blue dress standing up in the corner of the of the bar, like trying to stay out of the way. Yeah, but I'm not sure if those are uh, um, Enterprise guys because, like, the blue guy standing. No, the blue in... guy definitely wasn't. But that yeah. girl was a mini skirted, the mini skirted. But the blue guy. I mean, it looked like he had a Federation uniform on, but it just didn't have a. You know, is it possible that there were other oh. Federation people on there? I don't know. Maybe. It's not like it's a popular shore leave attraction. I, I just thought maybe they were like Starfleet people working on the station in some capacity. And they're not questioning her. So maybe she does. Maybe she's just assigned to a different yeah. ship. Maybe like that's a good drop off point for being transferred. Yeah. Who knows? So this is the guy who they replaced with O'Brien? Mm hmm. Now, that that last scene, I, my my friend has a couple of little kids, and we had a bit of a cultural exchange where they showed me a few episodes of Doctor Who, and I, I wanted to introduce them to Star Trek, so I brought over this episode, and you know they were like, "What? What is this? What is this crap? I don't care what's going on in this show." You know, and they pretty much did that throughout the entire thing. You know, the, the, the Tribbles piqued their interest a little bit, but then when they got to the to the brawl, they just thought that was the funniest and best thing ever, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, they were totally into it for the rest of it. And, and after it was over with, you know, I had my, my Blu-ray set there, you know, season two set. And uh, the kid, the, the, the little girl, she, she picked it up and she's like, is this, you know, what is this? You know, I'm like, this is all the episodes from, you know, season two. I didn't get into specifics, but I'm like, this is all the episodes, you know? And she's like, really? And she's like looking at it like it's, you know, this amazing thing. And then she's like holding it and she's like, I want to watch this entire thing. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's awesome, you know? I mean, like, trials and, tri- sorry, trouble with tribbles is, is like gateway track for for little kids you know <laughs> which is it's great it's got the cute little pets it's got it's got fighting and yeah comedy I, that you don't really get especially nowadays you know what's leningrad <laughs> that doesn't even exist right well i i, I let them well i gave them uh, a couple of tribbles for christmas a few years ago but at the time 
they had no idea what they were. So maybe now they'll go back and. I've got some tribbles. I've got a, I got a tribble I picked up at Gen Con a couple years ago, and I've got a miniature tribble and a tribble-lined copy of Five Year Missions uh, Trouble with Tribbles EP that they released earlier this year. Cool. It it fortunately it doesn't shed, but it's it's an impressive feat of it's a fuzzy CD. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the uh, Angora box set of the Ed Wood. Uh, film filmography what did it come in it it was a box made out of angora well probably not really but yeah (laughs) like an angora sweater but um yeah i've got a tribble a tribble that talks and then i've got uh when i was at the the convention in vegas i bought a uh tribble predator a glomer is that what (laughs) the glomer from the animated series right and it has a little uh pink tribble inside of it that you can you know take out so it can eat the pink triple <laughs> which you know i'm there in vegas buying a glomer stuffed animal from david gerald directly and i'm like <laughs> wow you know we have reached a new level of something i don't know what something it is something indeed but I've I've still not watched uh, more troubles, more tribbles, or more tribbles, more troubles, or that animated episode. Oh, you've never but, seen it? No. Oh, it's terrible. Oh yeah, it's on this disc. I should probably watch it. Yeah, you might as well. It was written by Gerald. Um, it's got uh, Coloth in it, and it's got Cyrano Jones in it, and it's totally not worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the better episodes of the animated series. That, that's good to know. Yeah, I, I do know that they're they're pink in the episode because the guy who helped animate it was colorblind. Oh, is that the reason? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He didn't know that they weren't brown. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the reason, but they've explained it. They were like genetically enhanced or something like that. Genetic. I, I forget what the explanation was. There's an explanation for them being pink. Huh. Yeah. Got the classic. Kirk whoopee cushion. Yeah, I always. I mean, I would. I always feel bad for that Tribble, but he he plays it off so well. And that's another thing about this episode, which we haven't talked about, is William Shatner's performance. I think one of the best on the show, mm-hmm. because it plays to his strengths, which are comedy. I mean, he's a great dramatic actor, no doubt, but he's a fracking great comedic actor. You know, yeah, and he's he got just, that. He's got that timing and the totally the nonchalantness of he's trying to be the cool <laughs> captain, mm-hmm. but he's just overwhelmed by these these fuzzy things <laughs> with little robot dogs inside them. <laughs> I, I'm guessing he's a really funny guy. <laughs> Her is just like, yeah, they're so cute. I'm sorry that they're taking over the ship, but. <laughs> and McCoy, he's he's just having fun with them too. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me; it's the tribbles are breeding. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's the big deal? You know, is there anything wrong with the, with the, a few little furry animals running around? Why not? And I think that he would have kept one, and 
we do know that the alternate universe McCoy kept one for plot purposes. <laughs> now here he calls them bisexual. Yeah. I mean, they, I didn't think that was the right word. They may be bisexual, but I think asexual is what he was looking for, right? Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm assuming. Serena Jones says a triple's the only love that money can buy. Maybe this is the moral of the story. Too much of anything, even love, isn't necessarily a good thing. <laughs> There's your moral of the story. Kirk will moralize it for you. <laughs> Talk him to death. Come on. Don't just pile them up. Outlogic the dribbles. Problem is, they don't have heads, so their heads can't explode. Hmm. See, I've got a Klingon ship here also orbiting K7. Oh, yeah, I don't have a Klingon ship, just a uh, Federation ship. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you don't even see the Klingon ship in this thing, do you? Nope, you don't yeah. see it at all. That's something that which I never noticed until Trials and Tribulations because, well, I don't know, perhaps the design wasn't the best. <laughs> but um, on that the, the space station, you can see a K7 um mm -hmm. printed on it it's just there's a bunch of windows covering it up so you can not really read it but it's an interesting little design element it's a good yeah idea. i like that it's it's clearly labeled i wish deep space nine was clearly labeled <laughs> yeah hang a big sign in front of it under new management deep space nine <laughs> spock looks pleased Oh, he's, you know, I think... He's the, having a good time. The Tribbles have taken the edge off a bit, you know? Because there's that scene where he's like, fortunately, Vulcans are immune to... And, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think if he kept a Tribble around, he'd be a, a little mellower. I guess so, Spock's everybody a needs a Tribble. Just already. one Tribble. Yeah. But don't feed it. But it will starve to death, so you have to feed it. Will it Which starve means it, to death? Oh, yeah, because of the grain, right? Because the grain starves them to death. That doesn't make any sense, then. You can't have just one triple. Then how does... Uh, how does... McCoy have the triple? In the well, alternate universe? Alternate universe tribbles aren't born, born pregnant, I guess. Or... Except they are in the comics, which... Uh, so perhaps... McCoy performed a triple vasectomy. <laughs> before they were yeah yeah maybe maybe yeah some kind of sterilization vasectomy i don't know <laughs> maybe 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 the tribble is just on like some form of birth control like maybe. a tribble birth control like maybe he came up with that idea okay he was like i want to keep this tribble because it's cute however you know he's like he feeds it yeah. once a month, but it's a pill or something. Exactly. Or once just a day. Just little, a little tiny little pill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be, right? Maybe. It's still a little dark, though. It's not that dark. Whatever. <laughs> what, I mean, I'm just reading between the lines, you know? I'm digging deeper. So here, Darwin is trying to convince everybody that Cyrano is the Klingon spy. <laughs> so, Ridges... We'll talk about that for a second. The Klingon ridges. Do you? Part of me wants to 
imagine the ridges on these Klingons. Like, they were always there. It's just that the budget of whatever um, historical reenactment that we're watching didn't allow them to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that, that's something to do with, like, when the special effects don't make sense, you know, you can attribute it to the, you know, the whatever Federation signal that we're watching not being able to recreate it properly. Maybe that's the way the Klingons are, and we don't have to have a bunch of silly augment, you know, virus-wiping bones, but not all bones away. I don't know. <laughs> I, You know, I mean, to me... Yeah, obviously the reason why they don't have, you know, makeup here is because they hadn't come up with it yet or whatever. And, um, you know, the reason why they have makeup in the next generation is because of the, you know, whatever. but Or, or even the uh, the movies. But I think the explanation that they came up with in Enterprise is a reasonable one. And I think it's also sort of all-encompassing where they can kind of explain away everything that they need to explain away and also future-proof it so that you can have Klingons with ridges and, you know, prequel stories and, and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the explanation that, that, that was in Enterprise. It's as good as any other explanation. And because of that, I'm okay with this dude not having ridges. So. Eh. I like the lock that they use on these. The- yeah the magnetic kind of it unlocks whatever you've got it stuck to. Mm-hmm. I want one. Kind of reminds me of a restraining bolt. Yeah. It just kind of magnetizes on there. and Oh no. Tribbles. <laughs> oh, so many tribbles. So many tribbles. Like they <laughs> had to make. I forget what it said on Memory Alpha, how many hundreds of tribbles that they made. I wonder how many are still floating around out there. I don't know. Supposedly there are, like, a bunch of them out there with certificates of authenticity and stuff, but I wonder how many have been lost to time. You figure most of them would have been thrown away. Yeah. Some cheesy sci-fi series that barely Mm. got a second season. I imagine that they were... And not I'm, keen to keep stuff around. I'm sure some have just fallen apart naturally. Like I've got a frog from Magnolia, and it is slowly melting into non-existence. <laughs> I like the the constantly falling <clears throat> tribbles. Yeah, and I mean I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm sure you've heard the stories about how like the dude up up there did not like Shatner for whatever reason and was (laughs) intentionally pegging them at his head which works and is explained in Trials and Tribulations right? yeah as Dax and Cisco trying to Mm -hmm. minimize the number of tribbles still left in there (laughs) I like that Kirk is just rolling with I mean Shatner is just rolling with it you know Mm -hmm. he's just giving his lines and getting pegged in the back of the head and he's not even flinching the one just bounces off his shoulder and he doesn't even care. No, see, there's got to be another explanation. Because he's like, as long as we stop feeding them, then they'll stop breeding. Right. Well, at that point, I mean, if if that kills them, then 
he might as well just say, all we need to do to get him to stop breeding is kill him. Kill them. Maybe. So that can't be it. Okay, so maybe they See, do talk about... See, it's not that dark. See? Okay. What were better. you thinking, Drew? <laughs> you, 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 I don't know what's going on with you. <laughs> I don't know where your mind is. Man, I wish we were recording this. <laughs> so, so maybe they don't need to be fed. It does say something about building up something in their bloodstream. And mm-hmm. I imagine it's more of like a clot than starving to death. Mm-hmm. The more you eat. Well, they do say starve to death in a, in a st- storage bin full of grain or whatever. Right. But, but that could have just been them, their interpretation of it or whatever. I don't know. And I like how McCoy ran in. You know, and it was just like, oh, we just got to stop feeding him. And then later on in this scene, he just kind of wanders in. He just moseys in. I need to be in this scene. And he just kind of <laughs> saunters in. Keep an eye out for him. Because halfway through the scene, he just, he's like, hey, how's it going? Okay, okay. No, I got it. I just watched an episode of the 4400 where um, one uh, Robert Picardo, his saliva um, makes people lose weight. But in reality, what it's doing is something like speeding up their metabolism so quickly that they they can't keep it up. So even though, like, they show these two people and they're, like, eating, like, steak after steak and just, you know, shoving food in their mouth, and then they starve to death. So perhaps that's what's going on with the grain is that it's speeding up their metabolism or whatever. So Dr. Zimmerman... Yeah, Doctor Zimmerman's saliva. Yeah, right. Yes, his great 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 grandfather's saliva. Yes, is what the Klingons mind <clears throat> to poison the grain. Exactly, and and that and that I believe that episode, or at least the show, you know, was run by Ira Stephen Bear, so it all ties into Star Trek continuity, and uh, that would make sense then, because like let's say the the triples like they're born with you know a certain amount of whatever fat or whatever it is okay and slowly over the course of their life they just burn that and that's what they use as their fuel so -hmm. if they eat i mean they like like kirk said you you get a fat tribble or whatever but um if you if they don't eat they still have enough you know they just get thin over the course of their life but they still have enough you know energy built up to survive McCoy just wanders in. Nobody yeah, really know. acknowledges him. He just he's just like he just comes call in. for him and he's just late. That could be, you know. He's busy on the station. They just needed him. <clears throat> it's like halfway through filming this scene. McCoy is supposed to scan him. Wait, well, McCoy's not in this scene. When you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> <clears throat> I love that they found that guy, that actor. Like they found him in a in a, a sandwich shop or something. Yeah, something like that. Yep. They were like, "Man, I wish we could find that guy. Isn't that him over there?" Oh. <laughs> Isn't that how Hollywood works though? I mean, it's just celebrities <laughs> everywhere doing their thing. I guess. And 60s character actors who haven't worked in 20 years. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. <laughs> Virus turns in an inert material in the bloodstream. The more inert matters build up. 
That is okay. <laughs> where they couldn't take in enough nourishment to survive. So Okay, I don't know. I think that I think that they had a scientific explanation but then wanted the dramatic irony of starving to death in a bin full of grain. So they mm-hmm. just kinda like we can have scientific fact or dramatic irony and we can say them both and get away with it just like bisexual. Okay. Alright. Jim, this man is a Klingon. <laughs> I love that line. He's a Klingon, Jim. <laughs> oh, and see, I just yeah. I want that to have been happened. But here, the you know the way that they, he's he's treating the Klingons like, oh, your plan to poison us all didn't work suckers get out of here you know yeah not like putting him under arrest or anything he's just like you're you're silly right you're silly get out of here mm-hmm. i wonder how long darvin was that guy's assistant i mean like how long has this plan been in motion yeah probably a while the dude with the triple on his head it bothers me because it's like they were like oh wouldn't this be funny if this guy was just sitting there and he had a triple on his head let's do that yeah. he's sitting he's sitting perfectly still yeah and of course they used this scene earlier in trouble with trials and tribulations when they're scanning for the bomb they use the background temp plate of the guy with the triple on the back on his head but this mm. is after everything's done is unless he sat there Four hours with yeah. that triple on his head. Yeah. Which maybe he did. Maybe he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then they call back to it with Quark. Yes. Which makes even less sense because he's not buried in a pile of them. There's like 20 of them. <laughs> One's on his head. I bet they got rid of him. I bet the Tribbles are like a, a fring, Ferengi delicacy. And they were very disappointed that they were wiped out. Could be. So Quark sold them all back to Ferengar. And... They never do explain what they do with the Tribbles on, on Deep Space Nine, do they? No. Hmm. They just kind of end the episode with a with a laugh one of the few deep space nine episodes it just ends with like the end of this episode and a lot of tos episodes where it's all just stand around and laugh Mm -hmm. so here we have the explanation for what they did with the tribbles and the explanation is that scotty beamed them all over to the klingon ship into their engineering room. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to talk about dark, <laughs> what does Scotty think that the, the Klingons are going to do with the Tribbles? I was thinking that same thing, too. I mean, Kirk is appalled at the thought of beaming them into space. You didn't kill yeah, them all, did right. you? Oh, no. I wouldn't oh, do that. Oh, no. That's terrible. No, I, I beam them into their sworn enemies. Mm-hmm. Which we know is a violent species to begin with. Yeah. And they're going to slaughter all of them. You know? 
They're not going to hesitate to beam them into space, if right. not stab each of them with a knife. <laughs> I mean, this is not going to go well for the for the triples by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, when I was at the con, Gerald, he was giving a talk or whatever, and he's like, people always ask me, what did the Klingons do with the triples? And I'm like, I don't know, make triple soup out of them? <laughs> Hmm. You gave them to the Klingons? <laughs> Where there'll be no Tribble at all, which... Oh, it's funny. Oh, laughter. Uhura really likes it. <laughs> She's dying back all there. All those things that I love are going to be dead. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, Gene Coon. Oh, Star Trek. <laughs> Still... Probably the best episode of the original series. Yeah, I... I like that the credits are not remastered. Oh, really? And that they're all the original effects and the original map paintings. Interesting. So if you want an HD version... Oh, no, never mind. I was like, you could... I'm thinking like a restorationist. You could take the screenshot of the in-between things and have a nice HD version of the original effect. Oh, wait. We have the original. Yeah, effects. you don't have to do that. I'm thinking about Star it, Wars. They did it the right way. Wars. Yeah, we've got to preserve every single frame. Oh wait, we already did. Never mind. Yep. A Desi Lu production. So that's it for the trouble with Tribbles. Yes, that was that was glorious. A glorious commentation. Mm-hmm. If if I do say so myself. It was fun doing that commentary on uh, Trouble Tribbles today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Talking Spock with Dave Rossi. But now you add in the wild card for this one character that one of the most emotional races in the universe, human beings is half of what he is. Earl Grey. TNG Introductions. Well, because I, I think Data's Day was actually the one I was thinking of, so since that one's already taken, I might come in at this No, I'll just erase angle. everything that Daniel said. And, uh, <laughs> and just no, go. Daniel, no. the first time we have a guest. Really? God. Favoritism! No. <laughs> you one-upped her. The Ready Room. The Squatter of Gothos. Nobody has that much power. They must have some kind of transporter matter reshaper device and it must be over there because he's hanging out by it It, you know it's a small room what do you expect him to like i'm gonna dance over here (laughs) by the salt vampire i don't (laughs) the orb dominion invasion tactics and bashir says look i know what the orders say but he attacked chief o'brien and we have rules against that sort of thing here so i think that they're trying to figure out yes the federation has rules but how much are they willing to bend the rules depending on how we push their buttons? To the journey! Dealing with the end of Voyager. I've recorded these on tape and they were all kind of out of order. And so I had my own shuffle where I would just nice. I would just put in a random tape and I would get an episode from season two, season six, and then season three. You know, and it was just really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Just a grab bag. Yeah, it really was. And so that was my way of coping, was just spending time with my friends. (laughs) Warp 5. 
Season 1, Highs and Lows. He's talking about, uh, it's more of a satiny one. Okay. Pretty plain with the piping over the shoulders in the three colours. Yeah. No, that's a I, good I ordered it, but they... They sent me to Paul's couch suit instead, and it doesn't I really know. fit. I know, it so. didn't really hug your curves in the right places, did it? Commentary, Trek stars. Harlan Ellison's soldier. It's like Mr. Belvedere, if Mr. Belvedere had really severe PTSD from a war in the future. It's like small wonder, but with a Klingon instead of a little girl. It's like Elf, if Elf killed tons of people. <laughs> Literary Treks. David Mack, A Ceremony of Losses. And then we color-coded it, and we started lining up dates and uh, events and saying, well, this book runs from this date to this date. These events in this book happen on these dates. So that if you're writing this scene in book two, you know that it happens exactly, let's say, 11 days after this event in book one. And that sort of meticulous, down-to-the, you know, fine-detail, granular planning became absolutely essential. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Well, let's tell everybody where to contact us. If they'd like to share their thoughts on today's commentary, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which we might play on the show. And you can talk to us and other listeners at our forums at trek.fm slash forums. On social medias, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. So please leave us some feedback using any of those myriad of options or leave us feedback directly you can find me on twitter at double o five d-o-u-b-l-e-o-f-i-v-e mike where can people find you uh you can find me uh on trek fm doing commentary trek stars uh with max or you can find me on my website commentary where i do a ton of audio commentaries for star trek things with max you can find other episodes like The Ultimate Computer and The Menagerie Part 1, I think, and some other stuff, all the movies. So just go, Part 1? I think just Part 1, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so go check that out, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at ComTrackStars. Before we go, we'd also like you to please support our sponsor, who makes it possible to bring Standard Orbit and other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great place for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. And uh, I was looking for uh, a book we could talk about and uh, I found The Klingon Way, A Warrior's Guide, just in case you take the Klingon side on this uh, triple Klingon war. Uh, it's it's read by Michael Dorn and Roxanne Dawson in character, really, as Worf and Torres, mm. and uh, it it explores the philosophy of the Klingon warrior through proverbs and quotes. Uh, they quote in Klingon. They'll read the proverb in Klingon and then translate it to English and then explain it 
uh, I listened to the the sample. It was interesting. Do they talk about what you should do if uh, uh engineer from Starfleet beams a bunch of triples into your uh, cargo bay? I wonder if Koloth made a proverb about that. I don't know. You'll have to purchase the audiobook and and check it out. However, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free copy of it, or most of the other audiobooks of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial slash trekfm to sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm, and we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. If you would like to personally support Standard Orbit, the network, or our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. There are no Tribble badges, and probably because that would be a little too easy to draw. (laughs) Wouldn't be very artsy. Well, Mike, that's another episode down. Yes, it is. Can't wait for the next one. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Have a good week, and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.